You know, a few weeks ago we spoke about the children, and um, I'm trying to remember the word that uh, we used with children about how the naivete, na- the naiveness, and the, the, the naiveness of a child is that they will believe. They have an acceptance of what is said. And when Jesus says, unless you come to the kingdom of God as a little child, that just total acceptance of what God has to say and of what God will do in your life, he said, you've got to come to, come to God in that perspective, in that portion, that we are, just, we are just simple enough to believe that God will do what he said he would do. And that's the challenge that is always before us, that our faith, especially as we get older and we allow our reasoning to somehow discredit what God is saying to us, it becomes a real challenge for us to just look at God and believe that he can do what he says he will do, and that God will be able to work in our life in a way that he has promised that he will do. So these become the challenges for us to allow God to bring about the opportunities and bring about the fulfillment of his word and his promise in our life. If we are naive enough, naive enough to allow this process to happen. Well, today our lesson is in Genesis chapter 12. And uh, this is Abram and his call. We know him as Abraham. But in a few weeks, we'll come to the name change, maybe next week, about Abram and how that God has called him to come to a land. Come to a land. And Genesis chapter 12 It reads, God told Abram, leave your country, your family, and your fathers. Leave your father's home for a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation and I'll bless you. I'll make you famous. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I'll curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left just as God said and Lot left with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot with him, along with the possessions and people they had gotten in Haran, and set out for the land of Cana and arrived safe and sound. Abram passed through the country as far as Shechem and the Oak of Morah, and at that time the Canaanites occupied the land. So as we look at the story of Abram, Abraham and Sarah, or as we have them in this lesson, or in these scriptures, Abraham and Sarai, God called Abram, and he called him to a land that he was going to know when he got there. And he told him to come from his father's home and go to a land that he will show him whenever he arrives. And God will show him as we think about, you know, well, I have some beachside property in Arizona. It's got a lot, of, a lot of sand, but just didn't get to the water yet. So, we, you know, it's almost like I want to sell you beachfront property. Got lots of sand, but no water. Well, it's like, well, we're not going to go for that. I'm not going to believe such a thing, beachfront property in Arizona. Why? Because it doesn't exist. And the idea in our life is that we generally... And a good thing, we want to have proof. And it is good to have proof. 
It is a good thing to have reason, and it's a good thing to be able to challenge people's thoughts and what they say. Because some people, they've proven that they don't, you know, they're, they're out to rob you or destroy you or make you bankrupt. So there are people that you have to be challenged with. You have to look at life and be able to say, well, you know what? I've believed you before, and it didn't work. I have, I have some questions about what you're saying now. Well, with Abraham, Abram, in this case, God has given him a promise. I want you to go to a land that I will show you, and when you get there, I'll let you know, what it, I'll let you know that you're there. Well, one of the traditions about Abram is that he was a um, maker of idols, that his father was a maker of idols, and so Abram, when his profession was to make idols and you know, have a, you go into his idol store and buy your best idol, and it was to that idol that you would pray and, you know, you would dedicate your life and all these things to. But Abram was a maker of idols, and here is the God who would speak to him. And here, and this is, you know, as you think about this life and you think about Abram, he was all of his, he's 75 years old whenever he leaves this country. And whenever he's preparing to go, he's going because God has spoken to his heart. I wonder if he was so, you know, um, challenged by how that he had made all these idols. And in all of his years of making idols and living with his father and his father's idols, none of them had ever spoken to him. None of them had any power to change anything. None of them had the ability to make a difference in their life. And along comes the God, Jehovah, the God who is the creator of heaven and earth, and he speaks to Abram and said, I've got a land for you, and I've got a promise for you, and I want you to leave your homeland and go to a place. And it was such an impact upon Abram that he knew the difference between 75 years of being around these idols, and none of them ever influenced him, to have a voice Perhaps, you know, sometimes wonder, well, how did God speak to him? Was it in the clap of thunder? Was it in that still small voice inside of him? We, we don't really, we're not really told how God spoke to him, but he knew, Abram knew, God had given him this direction. And so, upon that, he stakes everything that he, that he owns, everything, he stakes his life, his possessions, his family, everything is at risk to follow a command that he heard in his heart. Well, sometimes as we look at our scriptures and so on, we are challenged and sometimes we're not. But God established the covenant, which that means, what that means is that God established a contract. We call it contracts. God put a contract together with Abraham. And he said that God would make of him a great nation. And this, these are the things as we look at God's word spoken to Abraham, we as followers of God look at the scriptures which are God's word, his word spoken to us, and it is in this that God has made an agreement with us. Now, it's important that we know the scriptures 
so that God can, you know, as we look at this, we can't, we can't look and say, well, everything in the Bible's mine and it's all going to be exactly as, as I, I interpret it to be. But God has a way of taking promises and taking portions of that scripture. The whole book is ours, okay? The whole book belongs to us, but there are different, different promises at different points and times in our life. And there are different promises that come to the surface. When you're going through trials, you feel lonely. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's the scripture that like, God would speak to our heart. I'm not alone in this. God is with me. Whenever we're praying for a specific need in our life, maybe a financial need, well, God says, I am your provision that I will provide for you. So that is a scripture that God would perhaps bring to our mind in which God would speak to us just like he spoke to Abram. So there was a promise in the word of God given to Abram, and there was a promise in the word of God that is spoken to us. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. A time in which you would, like, be frightened, frightened by life, frightened by death, frightened by the past, we remember that God says in his word, he speaks his word to our heart. If you confess, you are forgiven. Your name is in his book of life. You will live forever. Promise spoken to a specific need. Verse 2 says, I'll, meaning God, make you a great nation and bless you. God's divine provision in Abram's life is promised. Promised. He doesn't say, well, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. He says, I'm going to make you a great, I want you to know that I'm making a promise with you. I'm signing a contract. I'm giving you a contract that is, that is as good as my word. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. So the contract that God has given us is as good as his word. And whenever God says it, it will happen. It will take place. It will come to pass. Maybe it doesn't come today, but it will come because God's word cannot fail. The contract cannot be canceled, or can be canceled by us, but God will never cancel his contract on us. It's a divine contract issued from God the Father to the followers of Jesus Christ. We find that sometimes these contracts are conditional, such as in Isaiah. It says, if my people pray, hmm, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, they will hear from heaven. God will heal their land. So if my people pray, that's a conditional contract. And, but the, a, a non-conditional contract is if, well, it's, if you confess your sins. So if, when we confess our sins, our sins are forgiven. So that's a non-conditional. You do what I say, this happens. Well, the promise continues to Abraham in, in, the ver, in verse 2. I will make your name great. Message Bible has famous. I will make your name famous, and you will be a blessing. The condition to Abraham's promise was that he had to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and he had to take off on this journey, and he had to go to a place that God would show him but God's giving and God's provision are included in this, what he gives to Abram. 
It reaches beyond what we hold in our hands. God's blessing is greater than we could ever imagine, and His blessing is greater than what we could ever hold in our hands. The divine purpose. Given it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The divine purpose. Peter, they're walking down the street and uh, comes to the blind man. He wants to be healed. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none. Oh, the lame man. He says, silver and gold have I none. Rise up and walk. What I have, I give to you. See, when God's blessing, he blesses our life with a purpose. And what that purpose is, is that we are to give. And so we find that, that God has promised that you will be a blessing and that I will bless others through you. I will be blessed, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. And those who curse you, God says, I'll curse. Meaning that you don't have to be preoccupied with getting even. You don't have to be preoccupied with, uh, do you ever have those, you've never had this, but I'll, perhaps if you had, I, you know, I've had these occasions when people have done wrong to me. And I have certain thoughts about them as to where they should go and how they should spend the rest of eternity. Now, I, don't, I know that's never happened to you because you're just far above that. But anyhow, if those things had ever come into your mind, God says, don't worry about it. Don't get preoccupied. Don't get off track. Don't get off course. In going down that road of hatred and bitterness and envy, strife, getting even, let that alone. You don't need to go there. Why? Because God has promised to bless you, and those individuals who have cursed, God will take care of them. God has a way of working things out in their life, and besides, you're not going to do anything that's long-term anyhow. Just stay focused on where you want to go. God promises God's provision. God promises a divine provision, and Guess what? It carries into our everyday life. It carries into our life that we live out each day. We are to focus on God. We are to focus on His direction for our life. (laughs) The direction of our life is to be blessed. Now, if I ask you to list, well, if God would bless your life, how do you think He would do it? Well, sometimes I, um, I look at that and say, well, I know exactly how I would like him to bless me. <laughs> I can show you pictures. I've got, you know, it's like being a kid in the Sears catalog. You know, I want this, and I want this, and I want this. You know, I circled the whole book and gave it to my mom, you know. Those of you who don't know what a Sears catalog is, okay, I'll just, you know, just go by that, you know. <laughs> How many remember the Sears catalog? The wish book. Yeah, okay, thank you very much. It's the young ones. What is that he's talking about? Well, the wish book that came, you know, at Sears. We used to get it in the mail. You know, this big, thick book had everything that Sears had. I was in the back with the toys, and I circled them all. So I knew. So whenever God says, and God, we say here in the Scripture that God is going to bless us, it's like automatically the Sears wish book goes open, and we're in there circling stuff, you know? God has a way of blessing us that is far... That is part of the blessing sometimes. But God has, a, has something so much greater than this. For Abraham, he says to him, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. 
Abraham can't have a clue as to what this is about. You see, being blessed to the extent beyond anything that we can imagine. The scriptures talk about how that we can't even begin to imagine what God's provisions are, that his thoughts are so far above our thoughts, we can't even begin to comprehend, get our mind around what God's provision and God's blessing would be. And for Abraham, he's wondering, you know, all the nations, well, we know that the descendant of Abraham, Abram, at this point, is Jesus Christ. And that Jesus came at the, at the birth, death, resurrection of Christ. He is the blessing of the entire world that was promised to Abraham. But whenever we hear of promise, when we hear about these things, we have a way of putting them within the context of our understanding. There was this golfer. He was a professional golfer. And one of the sheiks over in the Middle East had requested this professional to come over and teach him. Okay? So he went over and, you know, he was... You know, flown over, probably in his private, private jet, private plane, and uh, played golf with the, the sheik, gave him instructions, and I spent a few days, maybe a week there, I don't remember the exact amount of time, you know, flew him back home. And uh, before he left, the sheik asked him, he said, well, you know, I would like to give you something. And, you know, he says, ah, you know, you paid me, you paid him very well. He said, no, that's, that's quite all right. You know, it's fine. No, I want to give you something. He says, okay, well, maybe a golf club. So he said, okay. So he goes home, and on the way home, he's imagining, wow, he's, got, he's so, so wealthy, you know. He's going to get a gold-plated or a gold golf club, and he loves putters, and he's imagining getting a putter, and he waits a week and two weeks, a month, still no golf club. So... Whenever about, I think it was about two months went by, a man showed up at the door and asked if he was such and such, and he gave him a deed to a golf club. A golf club. An 18-hole golf club. So, so you see a golf course? So the guy said, I want a golf club. Now, to a sheik, who, which money is no object he went and bought the guy a complete and total golf club you know 18 holes golf course we would call it and his thinking the professional golfer was thinking a golf club and the sheik thought of a golf club <laughs> country club so you see whenever we look at our life we look at the things that God promises us, we generally put it within the context, the framework of our understanding. What is it that God wants to do in our life? What is it that his promises are going to do in our life? How are they going to make a difference? And see, God promised to Abraham, to Abram, that he was going to bless him and that he was going to make his name great and that he would be a blessing to the entire world. Within the framework of Abram, his entire world was just a small group of people. But the promise that came to Abraham still is in effect today. God doesn't cancel out his promises. We just leave them unclaimed. We leave them like the child that 
we won't allow ourselves to be that naive person that would simply believe that God could do impossible things in our life, well, we're, we're much more mature and put that within a framework of, well, God didn't really mean golf course. He meant a golf club. And I would get the plastic set at Dollar General. <laughs> you know, that's what God is talking about. The, the plastic set of golf clubs at the Dollar General. And God, God is saying, no, golf course. And see, we, we put things within the framework of who we are. And God is trying to get us to move beyond that. In Abram, he's getting him to move out away from the things that kept him so inhibited and so limited. His false beliefs, his false gods, his idols that he worshipped. And there are things in our life that we worship, things in our life that we consider, consider sacred, but they never really speak to us. They really never do anything for us. They really don't fall in love with us. We kind of fall in love with them. Communion today. Jesus has fallen in love with you. He created you. Baby dedication. Child, infant, child, person. Dedication to God. God loves that little girl. And he loves you and I and each one the same. There's nothing we can do in our entire life to make God love us less than what he does. There's nothing we can do in our life to make him love us more. He loves us because of who we are. And it is that desire for relationship with us that he wants to take us, as he, would, as he took Abram from Ur of the Chaldees, take him away from the things that we consider so sacred that really don't give any value to our life. And he wants to take us to a land of promise, which is a land in which we, you and I live, believing that God can speak his promise to our hearts and our lives, in which we can have faith, that we can go to, go, go to work, go to life every day, knowing God is with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. All things work together for good to those who love him and who are called by him. So there are these promises that he keeps bringing to us. To us. He speaks to us. It's not the dumb idols, what we think they represent. There's a living God who touches our life. Abram had a choice. He had a choice. God says, I want you to go, but the choice is yours. You can stay or you can go. You can stay with your idols or you can go to a land of promise. His decision was between settling in with his family or starting out with God's direction. He had a decision between the security of what he already had and the uncertainty of traveling under God's direction. All Abram had to go on was a promise that God would guide him and that he would bless him. Abram could have never visualized what it was that God had in store for him. 
And when I say that God will bless us, that he has thoughts and his ways are far above us. And the challenge for us is that when we make decisions, that those decisions have an impact on the people who follow us, our children, our neighbors, our friends, and everyone else. Because God has a way of blessing us. You see, God has a way of blessing us that we will bless others. You know, I think my family came from Ireland in before, it was like in the 1750s, 1760s. I mean, we, we, we got here early. <laughs> Rhonda's family came from Sweden. And her, 1902, they came here. Our parents and the grandparents and whomever before us made decisions that affect who we are, where we are, what we are, and how, how that we live our life. People have made decisions. You and I are making decisions that are just as important as our families made, our families made to come to this country to make a difference for you. We are making those same type of decisions that influence people's lives. God comes to our heart with a promise of eternal life. All we have to do is ask for forgiveness. God comes to us with a promise that he will never leave us nor forsake us. What what we're doing is allowing his spirit to speak his word to our life where we will find hope, where we will find security, where we will find peace in this life and in the life to come. It is on this premise that we leave our old life of sin and take on a new life of promise, of love, of forgiveness, of different way of thinking, a different hope. A different hope that it isn't about he who dies with the most toys wins. (laughs) He who has God in his heart is blessed, and he will be a blessing. Remember, I'd like a golf club. (laughs) God has a way of taking taking what we have and taking it to a different level than we could ever ask or think. Shall we stand? Father, we are grateful to you that you have blessed us with such a wonderful day, a day in which we celebrate communion, a day in which we sing songs of of our restoration and of your love for us, a day, O God, in which we dedicate our children to you. A day in which, O Lord, you speak promise to our own hearts. We thank you, Lord, for loving us that much. We pray your blessing upon our lives, upon our families. We pray your voice to speak to our hearts that we may know your direction for us. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you.